Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. If you're looking for a solid and reliable contract that you can feel good about sending to your clients, look no further than the WVS contract, crafted by a licensed attorney in the state of Colorado. It might just be the best contract for wedding videographers in all of North America, or even maybe the world. Uh, hard to know. Regardless, if you're unsure of whether the contract you're using right now is good enough, go to WeddingVideographySchool.com right now, enter the password podcast, and start protecting yourself and your business today. Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. Dot com. Just a quick update on the pod. Hope uh, hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am. I uh, was able to get out for a run. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado, about 70 degrees and sunny. So it was, it was the perfect day, or it is the perfect day to get outside. And I'm going to knock this out and hopefully go out and enjoy a little bit more of this fantastic weather and maybe an adult beverage or two. So, Today, I want to talk about five reasons why you're not booking weddings. Now, obviously, you may be booking weddings, right? I don't know everybody who listens to this podcast. I don't know everybody's situation. Some of you are killing it. I got an email from someone a couple of weeks ago that said they like did like 60 weddings last year or something crazy. So uh, not everybody is struggling to book weddings, but some people are. So if you're somebody who wants to book more weddings than you currently are, this may be the podcast that you want to listen to. Um, last episode, I talked about giving value to your clients, right? And matching your value with a workflow that supports an ability to go out and shoot more weddings. So make sure you tune into that podcast. If you haven't already listened to that one, just go ahead and circle back and listen to that. The number one reason why I think people have trouble booking weddings is because they don't have enough leads. So this could be, you know, as simple as your SEO for your website isn't very good. You're not ranking on Google. Um, maybe your website sucks compared to other videographers in your market. Maybe, you know, it might be time to evaluate, evaluate your website, evaluate the websites of your competition. If, you know, people are not finding you on the front page of Google, that's, that's not good. So if you're not on the front page of Google for your area, for your market, uh, when people type in wedding videography um, for your area, then that, that should be priority number one. That's going to help you a lot. Uh, priority number two with in terms of websites is making sure that your website looks good. Um, there's a lot of people out there that got like weird looking websites or they're just cluttered or they're hard to navigate or it's hard to read the text on them. That stuff is a turnoff for potential clients. So you want to make sure you go out and compare your website to the website of your competition. And honestly, the easiest way to do that is just Google wedding videographers in your area, look at the top five or six websites that come up and then try to emulate that, right? Try to make your website look like that. Um, you know, maybe you're not networking with planners or photographers enough. If you're somebody who goes and shoots a wedding and you don't talk to anybody, um, 
that, you know, that's not, that's not good. Now I did, I, you know, one of my things is don't talk too much, right? At a wedding. Uh, you don't want to be the videographer that, you know, is always trying to sell yourself to the planner or passing out your cards to all the vendors and stuff like that. Like that, you don't really want to be that person, but you do want to have very simple, very short, um, small conversations throughout the day with, you know, maybe the photographer or planner and that kind of stuff. And those people just, you know, to get your name out there, uh, to be personable, Um, it's really not about you trying to get them to recommend you. It's just, if you have a conversation with a planner or a photographer and the conversation is super simple, not salesy at all, just like, Hey, I'm a cool person. You're a cool person. And we're both here at this wedding working. Uh, that's our common ground and you can chat it up for a few minutes then that's perfect. That person is going to remember you the next time they need to make a referral. Right. Um, And it may take months for that to happen. It may take a year for that to happen, but eventually it'll happen. uh, And you just got to be patient. The other thing is, you know, a lot of people really, it kind of comes down to this whole thing about value that I was talking about the other day. If you, if you make it easy for your clients to rave about you and um, recommend you to your, their friends, um, there's a good chance that any bride that's getting married is going to have a friend or a bridesmaid or somebody who's attending their wedding who's also going to be in need of your services because they're going to be around the same age, right? Their friends are around the same age that they are, which means they're getting married around the same age typically. Um, so you want to make sure that you've thoroughly impressed your clients and that'll help you get leads too. The second reason why I think people have a hard time booking weddings is that their work is not good enough um, or their price that what they're charging for their work is not in line with their talent or skill level. You know, some people are not very good at what it is that they're doing and they'll try to start out shooting a wedding at $3,000 or something, right? When really they should probably start out shooting a $500 or $1,000 wedding. Um, until they get more experience and get more skill. Some people are, on the other hand, um, really talented, right? I kind of differentiate between skill and talent in that I believe skill is something that you can learn. You know, I kind of think of uh, a trade like plumbing, right? I There's probably some people that are talented when it comes to plumbing, some revolutionary plumbers out there who have who love plumbing and who it, it comes naturally to them. And they've invented some, uh, products that have, um, you know, revolutionized the way we plumb houses and apartment complexes and stuff like that. So they might be inventors. They might be people who have, uh, come up with a new fitting or a new way to pump water up, uh, to the eighth level of a, uh, an apartment complex or something like that. Right. That's somebody with talent, but overall, you know, plumbing is probably one of those trades that's mostly skill, right? I could probably be a plumber if I wanted to be because it's mostly learning the skill of it. Wedding videography, I think is half talent, half skill, right? So if you kind of, if video stuff kind of comes naturally to you and you have a good eye, we talk about having a good eye, right? Like hear people say, oh, they have a knack for photography or videography or whatever, then that's, that's part of your talent. 
But the skill side of things is practice, right? There's a lot of people out there who are skilled, right? But they don't have talent. So they can get good focus, good exposure, but they have a hard time telling the story or getting their videos to feel, you know, emotional, right? And then there's other people out there who are super talented, have, can edit all the emotion in the world into their video, but they lack the technical knowledge to get a good sound, uh, a good sounding recording, or maybe their focus is off or their exposure is bad or, um, you know, they set up the tripod and they got the perfect shot, but then they leave their hands on the camera and get a shaky shot, even though they were on a tripod. Right. So, uh, I think skill is, is one of those things that you need to take into consideration as well as talent. And if you're super talented and you're really skilled and you're charging a thousand dollars for a wedding video, you might need to be charging three or four or $5,000 for a wedding video right? That might be, that might be your issues. Maybe you're charging too little. So maybe people think, you know, they look at your work and they think, oh man, he's charging way too little. Like something must be up, right? Have you ever, you know, they always say when you're, when you're getting work done on your home, you never go with the cheapest bid. And there's a reason you don't, you never want to go with the cheapest bid because usually the cheapest bid is given to you by someone who's going to cut a corner somewhere. And there's a reason that uh, their their work is cheaper. Maybe they don't have the insurance that they need, right? Maybe they're not going to pull the permits that they need, okay? So if you're underpricing yourself, that's, that's not good either. So make sure you evaluate yourself, you know, figure out what is an appropriate price for me to charge based on my skill and based on my talent. The third thing that I think keeps people from booking a lot of weddings is that their package offerings are too complex. I think that you should have a maximum of three packages for people to choose from. And in those packages, I think you should keep things very simple for your potential clients. Okay. When they're looking through your price sheet, they don't want to see like 800 different options. They don't want to see 10 different package options. Listen, if you have five package options, you really need to scale that back to three. Like I'm a firm believer in hell. If you want to have one package, I'm fine with that. But if you have more than three, you're, you're making it too complex. You're giving your clients too many options and clients don't want to feel overwhelmed by all the options and give them what they want, not what they don't want. Um, very few clients ask me for DVDs. Very few clients ask me for USB drives. It's honestly, it's like one out of 50 might ask me for a DVD or a USB drive. So I don't include that kind of stuff in my packages. Uh, I've found that clients care way more about stuff that's pertinent to the actual wedding day, right? So they want things like drone coverage. They want options like um, adding you know, time to the package or adding time to the edited film, right? The edited video. Um, maybe they want toasts and dances and that kind of stuff. Those are the kinds of things. If you're going to have a bunch of options, those are the kinds of options that you don't, you want to have, um, fluffing it up with USB drives or DVDs or any other kind of like physical kind of crap. 
Um, just get rid of that stuff because that's not really what your clients want. And it's just taking up space on the price sheet and making it look more cluttered. So make sure you keep those packages simple. So the number four reason I think people don't book as many weddings as they could is because they talk too much. A lot of videographers and photographers will get on the phone and they will dominate the conversation, right? They won't, they won't spend enough time answering questions as much as they spend talking about, you know, how they're better than another videographer or how they're better than the competition or what sets them apart or the kind of wedding I like to shoot is blah, 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 right? And at the end of the day, it's not about you. The wedding is not about you. It's about the client. And so when I get on a phone call with a client, I like to let them guide the conversation. I want them to ask me the questions that they have, and I want to answer all of those questions. If I'm dominating the conversation and I'm talking more than they are, that's not good. And guess what? I do do that sometimes. Sometimes I'll just start like explaining something and then I'll get really deep into this explanation. And before you know it, I'm like, I catch myself and I'm like, oh man, I've been talking for like three minutes. Like I got to stop talking. So make sure you don't talk too much. You know, when this isn't like a used car kind of situation where you got to talk people into it. If somebody's reaching out to you, they already want what you're selling. Okay. If somebody's getting in touch with a wedding videographer, they already know that they, it's something that they want almost always. And maybe it's not in their price range, right? But you're not really going to have any way of knowing that until you get on the phone, um, until you send them the package and pricing information. And once you do that, it's really up to them to ask you questions and for you to answer those questions. If you guys are trying to sell, trying to talk too much, um, you, you just got to stop yourself from doing that. Uh, the best sales technique in the world is to let the other person tell you what their wants and needs are and for you to listen and answer their questions. And that brings us to the number five reason I think that people don't book as many weddings as they could, which is you're pushing too hard. Okay. That's what she said, right? <laughs> um, uh, that's not what she said, actually. Uh, but you might be pushing your clients too hard in the initial conversations with them. Wedding videography is one of those things that 99 times out of, or 99 times out of 10, that doesn't make sense. 99 times out of 100, or maybe I should just say nine times out of 10, your clients are not going to book you the first time they talk to you. It's just not that kind of an industry. It's just not that kind of a product that you're selling. Now, I have had people get in touch with me and tell me that they really like what I'm my product, right? They really like my videos and they want to book me immediately. But those people were people who had been kind of stalking me in a way. They'd been they'd reached been return visitors to my website. I had already sent them package info maybe like three months ago, and they've been just working to save up the money for it. But most people, when they get in touch with you, they're not ready to commit to anything yet. They're just not. You know, a lot of people don't have the money yet, They're, but they are researching because, you know, you got to book all your wedding vendors in advance, but you can't afford to pay for all of, a lot of people can't afford to pay for all their wedding vendors right at once. So even though they're out looking, 
uh, it may take them three months to save up the money that they need. And that's not an that's not uncommon. I see that all the time. Some of my best clients are clients who have money, but don't want to spend it all at once, right? Uh, they want to keep their cash flow for other reasons. They've got other vendors they need to book. They need to put a deposit on the venue. They need to put a deposit on the dress. They need to put a deposit on the caterers and all that kind of stuff. So usually wedding videographers come last in that process and it's nothing to be offended by. It's just the way that it goes. That's just the way the industry is. So, um, if you're getting on the phone and you're expecting people to make a commitment to you or you're following up and emailing them with like, hey, are you guys ready to book yet? That kind of stuff. Like if you're saying that to your clients, uh, it's going to come off as salesy. It's going to come off as needy. It's going to come off as pushy. It's going to come off as everything you don't want it to be right? Some of the greatest salespeople in the world will tell you, you need to follow up. You need to follow up. You need to follow up. And I think in certain situations you do need to follow up, but I'd say most of my clients, I mean, really like 99% of my clients, I don't follow up with them in order to get them to book me. If they send me an email, of course I respond and I respond promptly but I don't send follow-up emails that say, hey, I saw that you reached out to me three months ago. You haven't booked me, so I'm wondering what's going on. Have you found anybody, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I don't do it because I feel like it's it just comes off as salesy. That's all. And the last thing I want to do is be a salesperson. I've found that in my business, um, at least for me, not being a salesperson has really worked to my benefit. Um, and that's because I basically become like an advisor to my potential clients and I tell them whether they book me or not, I'm always happy to answer their questions, right? So if they need help, I'm willing to help them. Sometimes people write me and tell me that I'm too expensive, right? And so they're not going to be booking me. Well, that's okay. I'm still going to help them. I send out a, I send out a list of videographers that I like. Uh, who I think might be a good match for them. And they're always appreciative of it, right? So even, you know, you listen, you're not going to know right away if somebody's going to book you or not. You're just not going to know. And uh, you, what you want to do is you want to become that trust, that trusted advisor to them. You want to become the authority. You want to become the expert. And you do that by answering all their questions, not by being a salesperson. Again, to summarize, You may not be getting enough leads or your work may not be good enough yet or your price may not match your skill and talent level for the good or bad, right? So maybe you're not very good yet and you're overcharging or maybe you're really good and you're undercharging. Your package offerings, they may be too complex. So if that's the case, make sure you simplify them. Give people really easy to understand price sheets. Uh, You may be talking too much. I probably talk too much in this pod. I thought this was going to be a 15-minute thing, and I've already gone uh, about nine minutes over or something like that, eight minutes over. So uh, don't talk too much. And the last thing, you might be pushing too hard, okay? Don't push your clients into booking you right up front. Just know that sometimes it takes three months for a client who reached out, even longer. I mean, honestly, I've had clients who I talked to like six months in advance and they sent me an email. I sent them my price sheet. 
I never heard back from them. Um, and I just assumed I never would hear back from them. And then six months later, they get in touch. So you really just never know how long it's going to take people. And honestly, most people are just waiting uh, not to figure out who they want to book. They pretty much know what they want, who they want to book, uh, but they're just waiting to get the funds in order to do so. So with that, guys, hopefully you've learned something today. Hopefully this was valuable to you. If so, please go on iTunes, rate the Wedding Videography School podcast. I'd love a five-star review. If you guys have questions, you can email me at michael at weddingvideographyschool.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And uh, yeah, make sure you check out the website, check out the articles. And with that, I will catch you guys in the next podcast. Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. I'm proud to present to you the Big Ten course. Within this course, you will learn the answers to many of the questions new wedding videographers face when starting their businesses. Questions like, how should I legally structure my business? What should my contract look like? And how do I protect myself from potential lawsuits? What should my packages and pricing be? How do I make sure I'm doing my taxes right? What about insurance? Do I need it? And if so, what kinds? How do I book new clients and get them to rave about me? And how do I manage all of the invoices, deposits, and contracts for my clients? It seems like a lot of work. In this presentation style course, I will teach you all the basics and even some not so basic strategies to building your wedding videography business. I've included an audio version of this course as well for those of you who prefer to take the lessons with you. So if you're ready, head over to WeddingVideographySchool.com, click on the resources page, and select the Big Ten. Hey guys, this episode of Wedding Videography School is brought to you by photographers wearing wide brim hats. Uh, photographers wearing wide brim hats is the nation's number one wedding photography company, and for good reason. Uh, they are clearly the most creative, most unique uh, individuals out there, and their photography is so creative, I can't even begin to describe how creative it is. That's how creative it is. If you guys are working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats, then you're probably not working with the best photographers out there. So, um, you know, whether you're having a wedding, a birthday party, uh, or you're taking your kids to school, or you're hanging out at home, or going to the bathroom, you know, all things that you want photographed creatively, um, it should be done by photographers wearing wide brim hats. A lot of you guys, I know you're working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats. They might not be wearing hats at all. And um, that's a problem. If they're not wearing a wide brim hat, I don't know what the point of them even picking up a camera is. But when you work with photographers wearing wide brim hats, you know that you're always getting someone who's going to uh, give you the most incredible shots that you could imagine. So for your next event, whether it's a wedding, a birthday party, a family reunion, uh, your mom's pap smear, whatever the event Make sure that you hire photographers wearing wide brim hats um, to get the most creative still images captured, you know, one frame at a time. And that's what that's what photography is. It's, you know, you hear the click, click, 
and you know you got one frame. And then you hear another click. Sometimes you hear eight clicks in a row, like click, 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 click. Uh, that They just got eight pictures and maybe one of them is good. Probably not. But the photographer wearing a wide brim hat, they are going to call those photos later on and, you know, really, really select the eight or six shots that they got from the entire day um, that they stood in front of the videographer to get. And they're going to they're going to edit those down into something truly magical, probably um, probably just two eight by tens that you can put in the living room next to the closet door. So give photographers with wide brim hats a call today and book them for your next event.